This is the Reading Instruction Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. The topic of today's podcast, and it's a two-part series, learning about grammar doesn't have to be boring and meaningless. Now, this podcast uh, is going to dispel some of the myths, otherwise known as silly grammar ideas. And the next podcast, I'll describe some activities that can be used to actually develop students' ability to use conventional grammar. So let's look at some silly grammar ideas first. You know, the word grammar can send shudders up and down the spine of most middle school and high school students. Why is that? Perhaps it's because of some of the myths or silly ideas that have perpetuated around grammar. Here's seven silly ideas. Silly grammar idea number one. In order to be effective, grammar instruction has to be boring and meaningless. The truth? Not. Silly grammar idea number two. In order to be able to write, students must be able to identify and define grammar sub-entities, such as a pronoun, a gerund, participle, superlative, relative clause, coordinating conjunctions, causative verbs, past participles, intransitive verbs. You get the idea. The truth, knowledge of grammar is but one component of being able to write. Grammar, a knowledge of some basic grammar is important. However, knowing the five-step writing process and being able to use a grammar check on a computer and knowing how to get help editing from others, these are far more important than knowing how to define and identify reflexive pronouns and prepositional phrases. Silly grammar idea number three. If students have trouble writing, they just need a little more grammar instruction. The truth, sometimes an overemphasis on writing sub-skills, makes it more difficult to write. That's because of instead of seeing writing holistically or in a global sense, it becomes perceived as a complex myriad of little sub-skills. Silly grammar idea number four. There's a correlation between students' knowledge of grammar and the quality of their written compositions. That's a silly idea. The truth is, there's little relationship between the teaching of grammar and the quality of students' written compositions. Silly grammar idea number five. Good writers are good grammarians. That's silly. The truth is, if this were the case, grammarians would be our best-selling authors and always win the Pulitzer Prize. Silly grammar idea number six. Studying grammar outside a meaningful writing context, like doing grammar exercises in a workbook, improves students' ability to use grammar correctly in authentic writing and speaking situations. The truth is, study grammar outside the context of authentic writing and speaking actually makes it more difficult to transfer these skills. And silly grammar idea number seven. 
you can teach writing and grammar without being a writer. The truth is, all teachers of writing must write and share their writing with students. Would you take piano lessons from someone who never played the piano? Certainly not. So, let's spend just a little time on grammar instruction. Grammar is the study of how our language works. Learning to use certain conventions of grammar enables us to effectively create and transmit ideas from our heads out into the world through our writing and speaking. Now, traditional grammar instruction was very prescriptive. It would prescribe what you must do or should do with the expectation that you'd be able to transfer these skills directly to your writing and speaking. Now, while on the face of it, this seems to make sense, but riddle me this, Batman. How did you learn the basic grammar rules for speaking? Were you drilled in elements of grammar apart from any meaningful speaking contexts? I don't think so. You learned to speak and you acquired the basic rules of grammar by speaking and getting responses to your ideas, by hearing other more mature speakers, and by having incorrect grammar attended to in the context of your authentic speaking activities. Grammar instruction is important. However, time spent composing has a more positive effect on grammar and writing than time spent teaching. This means that grammar instruction must be short and explicit, and then practiced and reviewed in authentic writing experiences. In this sense, writing and speaking are skills that are developed, not content to be taught. Now, there are three approaches to grammar instruction. The first is the standalone or the isolated approach. Here, grammar instruction is done as a separate class, apart from any real reading or writing. Worksheets are used and artificial activities and assignments are created. In the 70s, we did a lot of sentence diagramming. Now, while there's a place for an occasional worksheet, this is not a very effective approach to helping students develop their ability to use grammar knowledge. As I've said before, there is very little transfer to real-life writing situations. The second approach to grammar instruction is the immersion approach. Here, students are immersed in real-life writing and reading situations. This emergence, this immersion is an important aspect of helping to develop mature readers and writers. However, without instruction, learning is not very effective or efficient. The third is the embedded approach. This is the most effective approach to grammar instruction. The teacher looks at students' papers to see what types of errors they're making. Based on his or her observation, skills are selected for short mini-lessons or coaching sessions. The students become the scope and sequence chart. This is a very direct approach to grammar instruction, 
as students are being given explicit and direct instruction on those aspects they are using in their writing. So, you are going to instruct students how to use a particular grammar skill. We do this using the elements of effective skills instruction. Now, I am a holistic, holistic writer and speaker. I believe in whole language. That language should be whole and complete when students are learning to read and to write. Yet, I'm the holiest of whole language people. I believe in very direct and explicit instruction. It's not the what of direct instruction. It's the how and the how much of direct instruction in which us whole language people differ from the direct instruction people. Now, direct explicit instruction should be taught using the elements of effective skills instruction. These are to be used with the instruction of any kind of skill, be it math, be it a sports skill, be it a reading skill, being a writing skill. For grammar instruction, direct instruction should be brief and quickly paced and in the context of students' authentic writing activities. So, here are the four elements of effective skills instruction. Of course, you start with a purpose. You're, the purpose is to teach a particular skill. Then, the first element is direct instruction and modeling. Here you introduce the new grammar skill. You define it and you demonstrate it how it's used in a sentence. You'd include examples of the grammar skills as well as non-examples. For example, boys and girls, this is noun. This is a noun. This is not a noun. Very direct and explicit. This is a compound sentence. This is not a compound sentence. So you'd show what it is, you'd define it, and you'd describe it, and you'd give examples. The second element of effective skills instruction is guided practice. This is where the teacher takes the whole class through the skill and provides support necessary. And there is a scaffolding here with a gradual release of responsibilities, meaning it goes from more structure to less structure. Guided practice should enable the students to use the skill independently. That's where you're going. It's a form of dipsticking, a form of a formative assessment as learning is forming. And this is a way to quickly check which students have grasped the skill. The third element of direct of effective skills instruction is independent practice. Independent practice invites students to practice or use the skill that has just been taught. It is practice of what they have already learned. If done correctly, students should be able to seed, succeed with a 95% success ratio or higher. Ideally, Independent practice is done through an authentic writing experience or activity when teaching grammar. 
However, there are times when assignments or activities such as worksheets are appropriate. When I use worksheets, I, I always like students to work in pairs because the conversation that takes place is an important part of learning. And the fourth and last element of effective skills instruction of any kind is review. Students don't learn any skill in one lesson or set setting. No student masters it. With all skills, students need regular practice and review at successively higher levels in order to master that skill. Whether it be a reading skill, a grammar skill, a wrestling skill, a math skill. So the elements of effective skills instruction. First, you have a d definite defined purpose. The purpose is to learn that skill. And then, one, direct instruction and modeling. Two, guided practice. Three, independent practice. And four, review. All right, this is the end of the first podcast, looking at grammar and effective grammar instruction.